Second Timothy 2, 8 through 13. Uh, here's what uh, Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Let's uh, pray together this morning and ask God. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to uh, come together. The song that we just sang, that uh, in your perfect timing, uh, you make all things beautiful. Thank you that you're the sovereign God that is in control of our lives and that we can trust you for that. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to your word this morning. God, speak to us. May our lives be changed. We've uh, heard your word and responded to it. Lord, this morning we pray for our nation. We pray for our country. We pray for President Biden. We pray for Vice President Harris. Lord, for our state and local officials. Uh, Lord, for our superintendent of schools, our school district. Lord, for all those in positions of leadership. Lord, we pray your blessing and guidance upon them. And then, Lord, this morning... Uh, we remember uh, 17 missionaries that are held captive in Haiti. Uh, Lord, including a, a mom and four children from Western Michigan. Lord, we pray that you would protect them. Lord, we pray that you would spare their lives and that there would be a quick resolution and freeing of these missionaries. And Lord, if not, um, we know that uh, they will have given their lives for the cause of the gospel. But Lord, we pray for your uh, protection and freedom. And Lord, we commit them to you. And uh, we pray for their, their families and all those that are uh, praying for them and um, are so concerned about them. So bless us now today, we pray. We thank you for each one that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe see, it says it's on. All right, all right. Yeah, I want to thank uh, thank John for filling in last Sunday while we were in Grand Rapids. Uh, I so appreciate uh, John filling the pulpit. All right, we've been looking at 2 Timothy, and uh, we're going to continue the series on the 2 Timothy, Timeless Truth for Troublesome Times. Um, the words of Jesus, John chapter 16, in the upper room, uh, he spoke these words, In this world you will have trouble. He didn't say, well, might have trouble. We, we maybe will have trouble. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble. The word there is thalipsis. It means pressure, affliction. So um, we're going to have trouble while we're on planet Earth. And Jesus assured us of that. And the rest of the verse is a great assurance, though. He says, because I have overcome the world. And so that's our encouragement as we think about uh, the troubles that we uh, face in our world today. And so Paul's writing to Timothy. Second uh, Timothy is a letter from Paul to Timothy. Timothy is pastoring in the first century. And Timothy's pastoring in troublesome times. Uh, the troublesome times are that persecution of Christians has increased. 
Nero is on the throne, and Rome has burned, and Nero's looking for a scapegoat to blame, and he blames the Christians. And so now the intensity of the persecution of Christians is beginning to ramp up. Timothy's also dealing with false teachers. Uh, we learned that from the first Timothy chapter one, verse three, that there were false teachers in the church that were, were uh, teaching false doctrine, and Paul has to con- or Timothy has to confront them. Paul was facing, or Timothy was facing the fact that he was young, and he was a young pastor, and so uh, Paul reminds Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you just because you're young. And uh, Timothy also was experiencing some physical problems. We've learned that from 1 Timothy. And his greatest challenge probably is that his mentor in the faith, his, his father figure, the Apostle Paul, who's mentored Timothy in his spiritual walk, is now in a Mamertine prison in Rome, and he's about to die. That prison was used as a holding cell for prisoners as they faced uh, execution, and Paul knows that soon he's going to die, and so he writes what's really his last will and testament to Timothy to encourage Timothy in the ministry, and also centuries later to encourage us uh, as we... Uh, continue on in our in our Christian life. So Paul writes this letter. Paul's lonely, he's cold, and he's bored. We know that from the, the end of the book in uh, the last uh, few verses where uh, he in- encourages Timothy to come visit him. And he, he says, hey, also uh, bring, bring a coat and bring some parchments. So, uh, so Paul's awaiting his execution, and he pens this last letter to his son of the faith, Timothy, And just by way of review, uh, first chapter, he tells Timothy to be encouraged. Be encouraged because you are loved by God, Timothy. You're loved with an an everlasting love. You are loved and valued by God. I love the song, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. If we get nothing else this morning, realize how God loves us with an eternal, unfailing, unending love unconditional love. And Paul writes to the Ephesian believers, he says, I want you to understand how deep and wide and and the depth and the breadth of how much God loves you. And if we ever question God's love, we just have to look at the cross. He loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us. Paul, you're loved by God and you're loved by, or Timothy, you're loved by God and you're loved by the apostle Paul. Uh, They had this close relationship. You're also loved by your family. You had a grandmother and a mother who built God's truth into you, Eunice and Lois. And so, Timothy, be encouraged because you're loved. You're not only loved, Timothy, but you're gifted. And Paul reminds Timothy to stir up his gift and to use the gift that God had given him. And Timothy, you've been called, so continue on in your faith and ministry. And then secondly, we looked at the Second Timothy chapter 2 where uh, Paul reminds Timothy to, to stay focused, to stay focused, stay focused on the source of your strength. He writes to Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, Timothy, you need to stay focused on your source of strength. Now, the Bible talks about two different kinds of grace. There's God's saving grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This wonderful offer of salvation by putting our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. 
is the grace of God that saves us. But here, I think Paul's reminding Timothy of God's sustaining grace. Timothy, as you face challenges, as you face troublesome times in your life and in your ministry and in your world, I want you to be strong in God's sustaining grace. We read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul testifies about God's sustaining grace in his life. We read that Paul had a, a thorn in the flesh. He calls it a messenger from Satan. and He prays three times that God would remove it and take it away. God in his sovereign grace chose not to, but Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my power is, my strength is made strong and perfect in your weakness. And so uh, someone has said, when we face challenging times, God will either grace your pain or erase your pain. He'll either remove that, uh, that problem or he'll give you the grace to endure through that problem. Timothy, be strong in the source of your strength. Timothy, I want you to stay focused on, on God's grace and stay focused on investing in the lives of faithful individuals. That's verse 2. The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful people who will be qualified to teach others also. Timothy, stay focused on investing your life into the lives of others who will be able to invest in the lives of other people, to invest in the next generation, to invest God's truth in, in our own families, in our, our extended families, and in those that God puts in our circle of influence. Lastly, Timothy, stay focused on discipline and perseverance. He talks about an illustration of a soldier and an athlete and a hardworking farmer. Uh, Timothy, stay focused. Well, that brings us to this next section of Scripture, and it's the Scripture that we read uh, just a few minutes ago. And uh, the third thing that Paul reminds Timothy to do is to remember Jesus, to remember Jesus. Now, the word remember there, if you um, any English majors here, it is an aorist, present act, uh, active imperative. Imperative means this is a command. Paul's commanding Timothy to remember Jesus. And it's not just remember Jesus from maybe when we first came to know him as Savior. Because the, the tense of this verb, uh, the present active imperative, means continuous action. I want you to keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind. I want you to keep thinking about who he is. Uh, the, the admonition in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, the author of Hebrews admonishes the, a similar statement. He says, let's run the Christian race with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Timothy, you need to focus on Jesus. You need to remember him and keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind continually. What are you to remember, Timothy? Well, he, he, he begins to list some things here. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Remember that Jesus is alive. We serve a, a risen Savior. What separates Christianity from every other world religion is what? The tomb is empty. And while we celebrate that on Easter and Resurrection Day, really every Sunday should be a celebration and a reminder that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is alive. 
Wyatt Graham in his um, wrote an article called Remember the Resurrection. And, and here's what he has to say about the resurrection. Christians often live lives of hardship. The words of Jesus, in this world you'll have trouble. The key difference is that Christians can approach such hardships with hope. We are not ultimately broken. Even when we feel broken, Christ guarantees our resurrection. The hope of resurrection makes life bearable. Even when we suffer harm, Christ rose from the dead. Everything in the end will be okay. And Jesus says, because I live, you will live too. And so the resurrection of Jesus is uh, not only purchases our salvation and is, is, the, uh, is the atoning part with his blood and his resurrection and he's alive and he, he, he lives today. And so remember that, Timothy. Remember that Christ rose from the dead. He is alive And we not only look to that hope of future resurrection, but the fact that Christ is alive encourages us in our personal relationship with him. If he's alive, then we need to have this interaction on a daily basis with with Jesus, the living Savior. God speaks to us through his word, and we speak to him through prayer. Have you spoken to him today? Are, Are you listening to his voice Dabo Sweeney is the head football coach at Clemson University. If you follow college football, um, they're, they're having, uh, for, by Clemson standards, a, a difficult season. I think they've lost three games. But Dabo Sweeney, who's been the coach at Clemson, is a, a strong believer in, in Jesus Christ. And, and this is what he recently said in an article from Sports Spectrum magazine about the fact that Jesus is alive. He writes, and I quote, You've got to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you have to feed that every day. Starve the distractions. Feed the focus. Keep your eyes on the Lord in everything that you do. In the good and the bad, you got to put your eyes on Jesus. He wants to have a relationship with you. You can't have a relationship with Christ if you don't talk to him and you're not connected. And so Paul tells Timothy, remember Jesus. Remember that Jesus is alive. But secondly... He, he tells us and reminds us to remember Jesus' ancestry. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Now, why is that so important? Why, why do the Gospels and um, Matthew and Luke begin by tracing genealogies? Uh, maybe you've traced your genealogy. Uh, most of us in America aren't that concerned about our genealogy, but for a Jew it was very, very important. And the importance of Jesus' genealogy is the fact that the Davidic covenant says that uh, from the line of David, someone will rule and reign and sit on the David's throne forever and ever. And so the Messiah had to be a descendant of David. And that's why it's so important that... that, uh, Paul reminds Timothy this, that that Jesus descended from the lineage of David. Matthew 1.1, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then uh, in Matthew 1, 42 generations are traced from Abraham to Jesus. And the reason that's important is that it, it proves the validity of Jesus' claim to be the Messiah to sit on David's throne. 
Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus. Keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind. Remember that Jesus is alive and remember that he is the rightful heir to the the throne of David and he will rule and reign forever and ever someday. But thirdly, he reminds Timothy of a key truth here and we continue to to read about it here in verses 8 and 9. Paul says, this is my gospel. Notice how personal this is for Paul. This is my gospel. And not only the gospel that he believes in, but the gospel that he's sharing. It's like David who writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, It's this personal relationship. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. So, So Paul's writing from prison. And, and he's saying, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm chained. I'm in this Mamertine prison in Rome. But then he makes this statement, but God's word is not chained. While I'm in chains, the word of God can never be chained. The word of God can never be confined or constrained. No one can chain or confine the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 The author of Hebrews, talking about the Scripture, says the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Isaiah 55 says God's Word will will not return void. And so Paul says, well, I'm in chains. Guess what? The Word of God is not impaired in any way. God's Word cannot be bound. Persecution cannot stifle or suffocate or chain God's Word. Uh, we, we learn that from the, from the book of Acts, don't we? And that early church in that first century, that the more that the church was persecuted, the more the gospel spread. Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 1, as we trace the, the spread of the gospel, this is on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So the, the persecution of the gospel had an opposite effect that it actually ended up spreading the gospel because the Christians left Jerusalem, they went to Judea and Samaria and they preached the word of God wherever they went. God's word is not bound. It is not bound by persecution. Prison cannot chain God's word. I mean, that's true from, from what we're reading here in, in uh, the New Testament. Here Paul's writing from prison, and he's writing uh, many epistles in God's word from prison. And when we uh, read his letter to the church at Philippi, In Philippians chapter 1, he reminds us that being in prison hasn't stopped the spread of God's word. Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served what? To advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Oh, I'm in prison, but God's word isn't bound because Paul says, I'm preaching God's truth to the the Roman guards. And they're coming to faith in Christ. And other believers are more emboldened to, to preach and share God's word. And so 
persecution cannot bind uh, and chain God's word, and prison cannot uh, bind or chain God's word. People cannot change, chain God's word. It was the French philosopher Voltaire. He lived uh, 1694 to 1778. Voltaire vehemently opposed Christianity. And he did many writings and his uh, uh, authors uh, in his books and writings to oppose Christianity. He had disdain for faith in the Bible. And in 1776, Voltaire wrote, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looking upon, looked upon by a curiosity seeker. Voltaire said in 100 years, basically... The scripture is not going to exist. And yet 50 years after Voltaire's death, the very house he once lived in and wrote his anti-Christian literature from was used by the Evangelical Society of Geneva as a storehouse for Bibles. And the printing presses he used to print his works to disdain faith, the Bible, and Christianity were used to print Bibles. Persecution cannot hinder God's word, and prison cannot hinder God's word, and people cannot hinder God's word, and precepts cannot hinder God's word. Laws. Uh, Governments can pass all the laws they want, forbidding what the scriptures and forbidding uh, sharing your faith, and yet that will not chain the word of God. We see this early on again in in the book of Acts that the apostles were forbidden to preach God's word. And they were brought before the religious authorities and they were given a command to not, not speak about Jesus and not preach the word of God. And Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than man. And they went right on preaching and teaching God's word. Laws cannot stop and chain the word of God. When Fidel Castro became the leader of the country of Cuba, one of the laws that they passed was uh, limiting worshipers to a maximum of 25 people in one group. And when you step back and look at the, the, the history after that, what he really did was he fueled the church house growth movement in Cuba. It it spread out the believers, and they began to meet in house churches, and it really, God used that to fuel the growth of the gospel in Cuba. The same is happening today in China, perhaps where the gospel is spreading quicker than any other nation on the planet. Here's an article by Mission News Network. This is from July of 2020. Christians suffer in China as the government cracks down But the church continues to see explosive growth. Early Rain Covenant Church is an underground church in China, but one that had been getting very active online. They caught the attention of the Chinese government who raided the church in 2018. Their pastor's been in prison for a nine-year prison sentence since then. Why is the church such a threat to the Communist Party? It's because... The government is looking that if you're Chinese, you go along with the communist government and their ideology. The church in Christianity is often seen as Western, but it's also seen as not conforming to Chinese culture. 
The fact that these churches exist and have grown by millions is probably the greatest revival in all of history. It's speculated that there could be as many as 200 million Christians in China by the year 2030. With growth like that, the Communist Party fears the church could threaten its power. And so the more that China cracks down on the church in China, the more the church spreads, the more the church grows. Persecution cannot bind God's word. Prison cannot chain God's word. People cannot chain God's word. Uh, Precepts and laws passed by governments cannot change God's word, chain God's word. This doesn't fit in with our alliteration, but COVID-19 cannot bound or chain God's word. And what happened in the last year and a half or so that when uh, churches shut down and stopped meeting in person, um, 90% of them pivoted to what? Putting their services online. And what did that do? That just, that just fueled the growth of the exposure of people to, to God's word and, and, and the gospel. And now rather than God's word being confined within the four walls of a church building, it spread like wildfire. I went back and looked at our own um, numbers from during that time for about four months. On Wednesday or Thursday night, we would tape a, tape a message and, and then uh, put it online on, on Sunday. And... Uh, just out of curiosity, I went back and checked. March 29th, 2020, 188 views. April 5th, 2020, 206 views. April 12th, 2020, 251 views. Uh, COVID-19 did not stop the spread of God's word because God's word cannot be bound. God's word cannot be chained. Well, Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus, that Jesus is alive I want you to remember that he's a, a descendant of David and fulfills biblical prophecy. I want you to remember that while I'm chained, God's word can't be chained. Fourthly, Timothy, I want you to remember that suffering and pain has a purpose. Suffering and pain has a purpose. Uh, Paul goes on to write in his letter to, to Timothy, last part of verse um, verse. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Paul says, I'm suffering. That's a theme that's throughout throughout the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.8, Timothy, join me in suffering with the gospel. 2 Timothy 1.11, I'm suffering uh, because of the gospel. Uh, first, uh, 2 Timothy 2.3, uh, join me like a good soldier, and as I suffer for the gospel, it's the theme that's all throughout the book, suffering. But Timothy, I want you to remember that suffering and pain has a purpose in our life. Just like uh, physical pain, and we uh, may have to go through uh, some sort of uh, surgery and, and, and pain physically. Why do we do that? Because there's, there's an ultimate purpose for our good. And that's the way that uh, our lives work spiritually as well. It was C.S. Lewis that said, God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When we're in pain, we're much more apt to listen to God and to hear his voice. In fact, the psalmist writes, 
uh, about that in Psalm 119, verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Before I was afflicted, I was kind of doing my own thing. I went my own way. But now I'm listening and obeying to your word. Why? Because pain has a purpose. Pain has a purpose. For Jesus, um, his pain on the cross, he endured that because he focused on the purpose. Again, back to Hebrews chapter 12. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What helped Jesus endure the excruciating pain of the crucifixion? It was He was purchasing our salvation. It was you and me. It was our the redemption that he was purchasing. For, for Paul... Uh, the purpose of his pain and what he was focusing on was what? The, the spread of the gospel. And so in that autobiographical section, he, he writes about being uh, beaten, being in prison, being shipwrecked. And, and here Paul says, I'm in prison, what, for the sake of the elect? I'm doing this because I know there's an ultimate purpose and it's for uh, the, the purpose of the elect and the purpose of God's glory. For you and I, so often the purpose of pain is to purify our lives, to draw us closer to Jesus. The whole theme of the book of First Peter, which was written to Christians that were, again, suffering and, and, and experiencing intense persecution. Peter writes in First Peter 5.10, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. After you've experienced pain, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And so, Timothy, I want you to remember that, yes, you're going through some problems and you're going through pain, but it's pain with a purpose. It's for the glory of God. It's for the advancement of the kingdom. It's for your own spiritual growth and development. And that's true in your life as well. Whatever problem and whatever pain you're facing God allows that, and the purpose is to draw us closer to him and make us more like Jesus. Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember that he's alive. I want you to remember that he's a descendant of David. He's the rightful heir to the throne, and he'll rule and reign forever and ever. Timothy, I want you to remember that no matter what happens to me, even though I'm in prison, God's word cannot be bound. It cannot be chained by prison, by persecution, by people, or by precepts. Timothy, remember that pain has a purpose in our life. And lastly, Timothy, I want you to remember that loyalty to Christ is rewarded and disloyalty is punished. Timothy, remember that loyalty to Christ is rewarded and disloyalty is punished. Paul closes this this section of of chapter 2 with a statement, uh, the fourth of fifth statements in First and Second Timothy, where it talks about trustworthy sayings. Here is a trustworthy saying. Uh, it's all throughout the, the two epistles from Paul to Timothy. And here's the fourth of the fifth one. Our commentators aren't sure where this quote comes from. Some think it's, it's from a liturgy of a baptismal ceremony. But it's some quote that Paul is now including in his letter to Timothy. 
And here's what he writes. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Uh, there's, there's two positive quotes and two negative quotes. The first one is, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. He's talking about our position in Christ, our salvation. Romans chapter 6, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I'm not talking about water baptism. Uh, being baptized in Christ Jesus when, means when we were accepted Jesus as our Savior, he placed us into the body of Christ. And so he's talking about this identification with Jesus. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. He's talking about our, our salvation. Then he goes on to say, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. He's talking about our, our future as believers. Do you know, someday we will rule and reign with Jesus. When Jesus comes back and he's the king of kings and lord of lords and he sets up his millennial kingdom, we will rule and reign with him. And so he's encouraging Timothy about uh, the future and that if we're faithful to him, we will also someday rule with him. We sing this song, all hail King Jesus, all hail Emmanuel, king of kings, lord of lords, bright and morning star, and throughout eternity I'll sing his praises and I will reign with him throughout eternity. And so someday when Jesus reigns in his kingdom, he's going to assign us positions of, of ruling and reigning with him. Timothy, if we endure, we will also reign with him. But then he turns to, to some, a, a negative here in 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Paul's writing to Timothy about the possibility of apostasy. An apostasy is a person who proclaims to be a follower of Jesus and says they're a follower of Jesus, but they're not a true follower of Jesus. Jesus said someday, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom. There's been in the news lately many reports of well-known Christian believers who now say they're no longer a follower of Jesus. And they've renounced their faith. And they, they say, I, I no longer believe what I publicly proclaimed. There's the possibility of apostasy. If we disown him, he will also disown us. But Paul concludes with a fourth statement here. It has to do with God's faithfulness. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Jesus' faithfulness to us is not contingent on our faithfulness to him. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. And so we can rest in, in, in the faithfulness of God and who he is, even when we are not uh, faithful to him. Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus. Remember that he's alive. He's resurrected from the dead it secures our resurrection and our future hope in heaven. Remember his ancestry, that he's, the, he's the, the rightful heir to the throne of David. Remember that God's word isn't bound, it can't be chained. Remember that suffering and pain has a purpose. Remember that loyalty to Christ is rewarded 
and disloyalty is punished. Well, as we conclude this morning, let's just ask a couple of quick application questions as we think about remembering Jesus and the fact that he's alive, he's risen from the dead. Here's the first one. Have you, have you placed your faith in the resurrected Jesus? Have you personally received the gospel? Have you, have you personalized it where, where Paul says, this is my gospel, where David says, the Lord is my shepherd? Can you remember a time when you put your faith and trust in him? There's no grandfather clause in, in Christianity, and uh, we each have to personally come to the point where we recognize that we're sinners, and the only way to heaven is, is Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's salvation in no other person other than Jesus. Secondly, are you pursuing a daily personal relationship with Jesus? This Jesus that's alive, that as uh, the Apostle John writes in Revelation chapter 3, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and have fellowship with him. It's written to believers, and it's the the point that Jesus wants to have time with us. He wants to have intimate communion and fellowship with us. Are we pursuing that daily time with him, time in his word, time in prayer where God speaks to us in his word and we speak to him through prayer? Thirdly, are you willing and prepared to sacrifice in experiencing pain and suffering for the cause of God's kingdom? Are we willing to suffer? Uh, The call to to Christianity is not always a a life of uh, bed of roses. Uh, Paul says, all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. And so as our culture be, continues to, to move in the opposite direction and, and oppose Christianity, there are times that are going to come in the future where standing for Christ will cost us something, and we need to be ready for that. Are we willing, prepared to sacrifice and experience pain and suffering for the kingdom of God? The Apostle Paul did. Soon after he wrote this letter, he was uh, executed and put to death for the sake of the gospel. Well, Timothy, be encouraged. Timothy, stay focused. Timothy, remember Jesus. Keep remembering him, and he will see us through all the way to the end. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this reminder from Paul to Timothy to remember Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we serve a risen Savior, that he is alive and that his resurrection guarantees our future resurrection, that we have the hope of heaven. Lord, help us also to be reminded of the fact that this Jesus who is alive wants to have a personal daily relationship with us. Lord, may that be a priority in our life. And Lord, thank you for the truth that we've been reminded this morning that the word of God is not bound, that even though Paul was in prison, the word of God went forward. Even though uh, persecution came, the word of God went forward. Even though people opposed the gospel, the word of God went forward. Even though nations and countries passed precepts and laws that forbid uh, the advancement of the gospel or the reading of the Bible, the word of God goes forward. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ 
that are suffering in, in countries that persecute Christians. Lord, help them to remain faithful to you. And Lord, may we remain faithful to you as well. Lord, through uh, times of, of joy and good times, but also through perhaps difficult times of pain and persecution. Lord, thank you that you um, are the sovereign God, that you only allow pain in our life if you have a purpose for it. Lord, help us not to miss that purpose. May it draw us closer to you. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're doing in our lives and for the fact that Jesus is our risen Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Join me in prayer, will you? Lord, we thank you that you are a living Savior. We thank you that the tomb is empty. We thank you that Jesus is alive, that he's purchased our redemption. We thank you that great is your faithfulness that gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And so, Lord, no matter what we're facing today in our lives, Lord, we we look to you. Lord, may we keep Jesus in the forefront of our thoughts. May we remember that he is alive, that he's our Savior, that he's the rightful heir to David's throne, and that someday Jesus, as King of kings and Lord of lords, is going to return. He's going to take us home to be with himself We will rule and reign and be with you forever and ever. May that encourage our hearts today. May we share that message with a a lost and dying world that needs the hope of the gospel. And so we uh, pray your blessing uh, and give us the strength to do that. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.